Welcome to the Pro AV Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin. The idea of a venue competing with a broadcast station's quality used to be unheard of, but over the years, music venues and sports teams have transformed their in-venue production into remarkable shows. Multi-purpose event centers have followed suit, but with mixed results. Here to explain the shift in the industry is Bill Maygod, Project Manager with Advanced Concert and Event Resources. Bill, how are you today? Uh, Great, Daniel. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for asking, and thanks for coming on the podcast to tell us a little more about this shift in the industry and how venues are starting to adopt their own production teams. So the first thing I'd like to know is, what do you think caused this shift initially? Uh, You know, what was one of the main catalysts? Uh, probably venues, uh, hoping to attract more clients by keeping the, the price competitive. Um, you know, if, if you go to rent what's called a four wall rental, an empty room, whether that room is Madison Square Garden or, you know, a private room at the local steakhouse, uh, then you still have the added, the customer still has the added cost of audiovisual and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so rather than dealing with flowers or linens, um, they've jumped on the audiovisual bandwagon. And then, oh, no, there won't be any additional costs. We, ha- we have everything you need. Gotcha. Yeah, so basically just trying to localize all the talent and cut costs in general. Because I can assume hiring a high-quality production team to film all your events could rack up some costs you know, I'm not talking about filming the event. I mean, we do that, but really it's it's a matter of, you know, you have 500 people at a sit-down black tie fundraiser for a not-for-profit. Um, it's really a matter of, of hearing the person speaking or hearing the band that's going to do their three songs that you paid $500 for that dinner. And it's not sports venues because they've had sound systems for years. However, you know, when the rock shows come in, they don't use the in-house system. They bring their own. So it's really uh, special event venues, hotel ballrooms, multi-purpose facilities, convention centers, those sorts of things that have uh, really jumped on board lately. And And by lately, I mean the last 15 years. Right. What have you seen as some of the benefits of these multi-purpose venues adopting their own audiovisual gear? Well, there can be significant cost savings, but that has a huge liability in terms of the gear not being maintained, someone in-house not knowing how to work it. So there's really more on the liability side of using that in-house gear than the benefit. Could you dive into a little more of those liabilities and some of the issues that that might present for these venues? Sure, absolutely. We ran into this when we uh, when I was working for a, another firm that had an installation division. And the installation division installed this wonderful system, whether it was fifty grand or whether it was $2 million. And then the client has to hire somebody to run it or a team to run it. They have no experience in hiring audiovisual experts. They wouldn't know what questions to ask. They wouldn't know an expert from a charlatan. You know, maybe custodian or the electrician can run the sound system. Maybe it's super complicated and you need a NASA engineer to run the sound system or someone close to it because some of today's systems are extremely complicated. That was the first thing is is just buying equipment and or having it installed is, isn't the whole end of the story. It's a matter of 
having it operated for your event, there's a maintenance schedule and a cleaning schedule that a lot of these venues don't follow. So who knows if someone blew all the speakers last night in your events tonight, and you're walking in thinking everything's great, and the venue says, oh, well, you know, our sound system doesn't work. We weren't charging you for it anyway. And I get those calls at 9 in the morning, you know, 12 noon. Hey, we need help tonight. It's like, really? (laughs) Yeah, right, right. So would you say that one of the main issues is basically that these venues are purchasing the gear, but they don't have the correct staffing to handle it? Correct. Correct. And not only, even even if they have someone who knows the gear very well and is very diligent, does this person really know the show or the event? You know, what kind of interest do they have in getting the event to go well? Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of venues here in New York City and, and up and down the East Coast where I work when one of my regular clients will say, hey, we're going into such and such. I was like, you don't need me. Those guys are great. They care about you. They want you to tell everybody how wonderful they were. They want you to come back next year. You don't need me. You're going to have a great event. The staff there is wonderful. In fact, I'll call them and tell them what your show is all about. And that's, you know, it's not money in my pocket, but it's great. It saves the client a lot of money, which does eventually circle back to me because the client knows I'm honest. And sometimes the benefits, switching back to the benefits, there can be significant savings if I'm just going to use a projector or a speaker system, is already installed. There's no cost to install and then remove it before and after the event. But again, there's a liability of, is this equipment going to be working properly on my event that's three months from now? And how is this affecting audiovisual companies? Are they having to pitch themselves a little harder to these event venues, basically saying, look, we understand you have the gear, but you're going to need the correct staff to man it. We can provide that. Is that a different conversation now? Correct. Whether it's you know the installation company doing that, and we sold you the gear, and we have a staffing division that will place somebody with you, or we'll have a roster of people familiar with your venue, which is a little risky. Or production companies have jumped on this, oh, probably 20 years ago, and partnering with venues and saying, hey, everyone who comes to this venue gets a discount, and we're going to treat the venue as our own because we're in partnership with you. You're going to refer your clients to us, and maybe that client who's from Texas coming to New York is going to bring their AV team from Texas. Fine, wonderful. But some venues have an exclusive contract, and it's really important for the customer to, before signing any agreement with the venue, to look at what's required whether it's the electrical tie-in, rigging, catering, audiovisual. Um, some venues, there's a list of approved venues. You can choose any one of these florists. But if they're not on the list, you can't use that florist. Same thing with audiovisual. So some are more stringent than others. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot to juggle and a lot to make sure works, mm-hmm. you know, to, mm-hmm. to make sure that these shows are a success. So mm-hmm. what are some ways that these multi-purpose venues who are adopting their own gear are getting ahead of the curve, right? Like, what are some ways that they're overcoming these issues of owning their own gear? Well, by partnering with a local company who may choose to leave equipment semi-permanently installed or the rental company or production company takes the liability of the gear, they're going to be responsible for software upgrades, firmware upgrades, training to new employees and all of that. So the venue has the added bonus of, hey, you know, you're going to come to your show here 
and we have this wonderful partner who's going to take great care of you, and they're going to take great care of us. So everybody wins. You know, there still is the cost to install and strike. And I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of times where I'll leave gear. I've left gear at venues for six weeks. And some weeks it's a one-day charge for that client. And other weeks there's 14 shows that week, some at lunch, some at breakfast, some at dinner. And I win, but I'm, I'm looking at the calendar, and all those clients in between are splitting the one delivery cost. And so there's a benefit of being familiar with a venue and, and sharing the cost. But the other side of familiarity is also we know what works. Right. You can't do, well, you can't do projectors and screens in that room. You, you want to, go right ahead. <laughs> We've tried it, and after it's all set up, you're going to turn to us and say, get rid of this, and let's bring in the big monitors, the big TVs. And there's where your, your partner, who knows the room very well, is able to help you. Hey, guess what? This room is just a reverberant chamber. Lavaliers are microphones, little tie clip microphones are not going to work. We really have to use handhelds. And that may be a deal breaker, and the venue may lose that event. Because a fireside chat is a little weird with people with handheld mics. You know, imagine David Letterman and his guest each having a handheld mic instead of those tie clip mics. It's a, a little unusual. Right. Yeah, it starts to lose some of that personable feel. I mean, yeah, holding a <laughs> mic to your face, it doesn't sound as, uh, as comfortable, that's for sure. <laughs> what do you see for the future of these multipurpose event centers? Do you think that they're going to start hiring more qualified staff to man their equipment? Or do you think that they're just going to start moving away from purchasing the equipment in the first place and start going back to relying a little more on these AV companies? Well, it's uh, a little of both. The, the real trick now is the education side, is who's training the next generation of technicians. And there really aren't that many schools out there that do uh, live audiovisual. You know, there used to be numerous recording schools and music schools, but there's, there's only a few. And so a lot of the larger companies have their own in-house training programs. So I, I see uh, more partnerships coming on and not so many venues purchasing the equipment. It really depends. Certain pieces of equipment, like an amplifier, will last 20 years. New laser projector will also last quite a while, 8, 15 years. So... There's probably a, a give and take of purchasing gear, but also it's a combination of the gear and the people. Yeah, it's about basically not only equipping your team with quality gear, but just having a team that can handle it in the first place. And so much of what we do as AV technicians uh, has really become more on the hospitality side. You know, it, it used to be 30 years ago, you got your 35 millimeter slides a month in advance because they had to go to Kodak and get developed or wherever and get developed. Now people walk in with their thumb drive five minutes before the show's supposed to start, and, oh, gee, your PowerPoint's not compatible with our computers. So it's, there's a more hospitality aspect of taking care of a client, advising the client, holding their hands, making the, the client, the venue, and the presenters comfortable and going above and beyond to cover all the bases. Yeah, well, I mean, at the end of the day, what matters is delivering a quality product. So whether the venues can adopt a better team to man their equipment and deliver that quality product, or if they realize, hey, 
this is just too much of an investment. We're just going to rely on event companies that know how to handle this. You know, either way, I think people are just going to gravitate towards making sure that the final product is high quality. Right. And with so many companies and not-for-profits creating their own presentations, there's such a huge gamble of, of things that are beyond our control as AV guys. You know, again, I have, uh, I'm updating my software. All my equipment is in brand new working order and you're using PowerPoint 2007. And I wish I had known that. So it's, it's a huge risk and the product failed, not because of the venue, not because of the audiovisual guys, but perhaps it was the audiovisual guys who didn't say, Hey, you know, we got to cover all the bases. I don't need your final presentation, but I do need something a week in advance just to make sure your hardware that's creating the movie, the PowerPoint, the keynote, the video is compatible with our hardware. And it's little things like that that may seem like a pain in the ass, but again, it gets back to a wonderful product at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely, Bill. I really think it's important that these companies are continuing to take ownership over their product and making sure that the final product is of high quality. Like I said, at the end of the day, that's the most important part. So, Thank you, Bill, for coming on the podcast and helping us better understand this shift in the pro-AV industry. Oh, my pleasure. And and, uh, just to reiterate, a great product will lead to repeat business, whether that's for the venue or for the local production company. And once you find uh, a team that the venue recommended, you can take them with you to all your other venues. So it's it's a beautiful thing. And just uh, a a warning to the clients, read, read your contracts carefully. Uh, before signing them so you know uh, what the venue's requiring and where you have flexibility to bring in your own team. Definitely. It's all in the fine print. Cool. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries to subscribe to your favorite articles, podcasts, and original video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin. Till next time. <music>